This is the Comstock Report Podcast. We are strong advocates for the American family farm and your top source for the agriculture markets. And now, here's your host, David Cruz. Wednesday, September 6th, 54321. This is David Cruz with the Comstock Report. Doing the hard stuff that needs getting done. It was not an easy thing to build a U.S. ethanol industry from scratch. As with anything worthwhile, there will be naysayers, dissidents, and opposition to it. That was certainly the way it was with building the ethanol industry. It requires a group of committed individuals with determination, vision, and tenacity to absorb sticks, stones, and arrows that are inherently part of the grueling process where green shoots eventually grow into something meaningful. Thus was the process of building an ethanol industry. I have a lot of respect for people who build things and disdain for those who by their nature put their energy into tearing them down. Building an ethanol industry delivered on the vision of adding a value-added component to cornmeal agriculture it was worth all that had to be gone through to get it done. The demand created for over 5 billion bushels of corn by the ethanol industry was the greatest wealth creator for the corn belt economy since the Green Revolution. This ethanol contributed to U.S. energy independence. That was the prime motivation as to why George W. Bush pushed the renewable fuel standard as part of his energy agenda despite being an oil man. Prior to ethanol, we had smog in cities, and now we don't. Ethanol is healthy compared to MTBE poison. Most forget the distiller's grain component of ethanol production used as livestock feed, which is 40% of the output. When they calculated initial carbon scores, they always left the DDG component out to make something good look bad. That was intentional misinformation. CO2, a greenhouse gas, is another production component of the ethanol process allowing its release further pollutes the atmosphere, which is why there is an applicable technology available to sequester it in order to avoid that. As with any new technology development, there were a lot of people who lost money as the biofuel industry struggled to get its feet under itself. There were government subsidies initially, but they fell away as the ethanol industry reached adolescence. What the RFS is now, after reaching its 15 billion gallon ethanol standard, is a free market where future consumption, if unimpeded by regulation, is earned. The RFS offered protection from predators who controlled access to the fuel pumps in what was otherwise the opposite of a free market. Ethanol is a better fuel than gasoline, higher octane, that competes well by price. The airline industry needs 3 billion gallons of low-carbon sustainable aviation fuel, and ethanol is an applicable feedstock for producing it. That is a key finishing piece of the future ethanol demand puzzle that will go beyond EVs. The trend line yield for corn climbs higher due to genetics and production practices, so without expanding demand, the price relationship with supply would mean a stagnant, weak rural economy. Ethanol has benefited the corn market of all of the naysayers, dissidents, and opposition, the same as for those who understood the vision. Their corn prices are higher, basis levels have improved, and energy security has been enhanced and land and other asset values have risen because of the contribution that ethanol has made to demand. Ethanol plants primarily concentrated in the Midwest are favorably located inland from the reach of deadly storms that often target coastal petroleum infrastructure. After all this biofuel industry is done adding value for the Midwest economy, there are those with twisted ideology who would not voluntarily use biofuel even if their net worths increase because of it. 
They like their new corn basis, but don't let one of those new CO2 pipelines come anywhere near their farm. And what they see is imposing upon them. Nothing has changed to the same degree of naysaying, dissidence, and opposition that the ethanol industry faced upon conception is back for round two opposing CO2 pipelines. The future use of motor fuel will be determined by how it scores in a carbon economy. Low or carbon neutral fuels will be used in the future, and high carbon fuels will not be. The market will determine this. CO2 sequestration of ethanol plants reduces the fuel's carbon score to where it is lower than that of EVs. Carbon scoring sets the rules of the game, how they will be played by. The incentives to compete by these rules are enormous. Environmentalists oppose CO2 pipelines because the sequestered CO2 low-carbon ethanol industry has an extended life expectancy, something contrary to their wish and mission of eliminating internal combustion engines. They want to get rid of fossil fuel, and thus ethanol, despite being a renewable fuel, becomes collateral damage in that quest. They could absolutely give a rip about the impact on the Midwest farm economy or any other negative outcome from the elimination of biofuel. Yet some landowners go to the Sierra Club meeting and listen like the gingerbread man as to why they should climb onto the fox's snout. You've been listening to the Comstock Report. For more information on marketing opportunities, contact us at Comstock.com or call 712-227-1110. For a more complete version of the Comstock Report with hedging strategies and trade recommendations, subscribe on our website at Comstock.com or reach out to one of our risk management specialists about how we can help you protect your profits. Futures trading involves risk. The risk of loss in trading futures and or options is substantial, and each investor and or trader must consider whether this is a suitable investment. Past performance is not indicative of future results.